And um, we've been on this subject and we've covered lots of different, uh, what I call sections. Um, uh, if, if it was a, a book, it would be chapters or, you know, but all under the same subject, talking about the same subject. And we've been um, looking at this, you know, purpose for which we were created, this call that, that is upon every human being uh, to come into the same fellowship with God the Father as, as Jesus. It's what we were created for. We've looked at it as the, um, as the, the context for, for our salvation. In other words, why did Jesus do what he did for us? And again, it, it wasn't just to keep us from going to hell. Uh, and it was, believe it or not, even more than just getting us into heaven one day when we die. It was to establish us in oneness and fellowship um, with our Father and, of course, you know, the, the different things that we've looked at and so many different verses that we've, we've um, covered. But uh, I want to jump in here tonight, and we'll probably circle back to this verse in just a moment. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14, For by one offering, and this is speaking of what Jesus did for us, because he was one sacrifice for all sin, for all people, for all time. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And I've asked you to uh, begin to confess this over yourself with the Word of God, that I've been perfected forever by the blood of Jesus. And because I've been perfected forever by the blood of Jesus, uh, my fellowship with God cannot be broken. My fellowship with God cannot be broken. And this perfected forever truth is something that must be understood by faith. Um, when, when you try to use human logic and reasoning to, to you know, wrap your mind around and, and grab hold of, of, uh, of something like this uh, with just the you know, human reasoning, logic, uh, intellect, um, it, it doesn't know what to do with that. It, it, it doesn't make sense, and it's, it's, it's easily um, set aside as we move on to something that's maybe less challenging for uh, our minds and hearts to to consider or to understand, um, but again, these these things are uh, I- important for us. Uh, the Holy Spirit keeps prompting me uh, to remind you of Abraham, where the Bible says that he staggered not at the promise of God, and when God first promised that him and Sarah would have a child, they laughed. Um, it staggered them. They they were unable at that point to, to take that promise and run with it. You know, sometimes we talk about somebody taking a ball and running with it. Well, you know, God has promised you a lot of things, but we have to be able to take those promises and run with them and, and make them our own and step up uh, into them. And a lot of people are staggered uh, when they hear a verse like Hebrews 10 and 14 that, that proclaims, that declares that, um, that by one offering... Uh, of himself, God has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, we understand by faith, but part of my responsibility, according to uh, the prophet Nehemiah, is to read the verse and make the sense. And so I want us to uh, look at these verses in the, in the bigger context of the book of Hebrews and, and some of the things that God is saying to his people in the book of Hebrews about this idea of perfection and what it really is and what it means and, and why Jesus has done 
uh, such for us. Now, along the way, we've been talking about Father's desire to have unbroken fellowship with you and me. And we find this expression in Romans, the sixth chapter, verses 10 and 11 in the Amplified. And it says, For by the death Jesus died, he died to sin, ending his relation to it once for all. And the life that he lives, he is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him. Even so, consider yourselves also dead to sin and your relation to it broken, but alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. And so we pulled four things from these verses Number one, consider yourself dead to sin. And remember, death means separation. Jesus came to separate you and me from the thing that separated us from God. And sin is what separated us from God. And as long as we are one with sin, as long as we are married to sin, then that sin is going to bring death, and death means separation. Consider, though, remember, considering is is something you do with your mind. Um, Jesus has made you free. He's made you a new creation at the spirit level uh, of your existence. Uh, You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. In other words, there's a lot of people who are dead to sin, but they don't consider themselves dead to sin. And because of that, they still struggle. Uh, They see themselves as slaves to sin, and they still live as slaves to sin, even though they have been set free. Remember, Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free in your performed action, spirit, soul, and body. He makes you free through the new birth, right? If he makes you free, then you shall be free. This is talking about the renewing of the mind, learning to think like a man or woman who's been made free, right? Then free indeed is your performed action, how you actually live or your behavior. Number two, consider your relation to sin broken. Severed relationships, severed from the sin that once separated you from God. And remember, we were... At one point, one with sin, and um, we were married to it and one with it, and we're producing fruit in our lives from it. But our marriage to sin did not end with a divorce. It ended with death. We died to sin so that we could be married to, become one with another, and now bear fruit unto God. And we looked at multiple verses from the prophetic, uh, from the prophet Hosea, where God uh, said, I will betroth you to me forever. I will make you my wife forever. And, um, and through that union, you will know Yahweh. Now, number three, consider yourself alive to God. And this means in union and oneness with God. And you are, if you've been born again, the Bible says you've been made one spirit together with him. Your born again spirit and God's Holy Spirit have become one spirit. That's, that is an inward reality of the new birth. But where it really starts to make a difference in your life is when you start thinking like somebody who's been made one with God, where you literally consider yourself um, to be alive to God in union and oneness with God. And then number four, uh, and this is the next step and next level, consider yourself living in unbroken fellowship with God. Consider yourself living in unbroken fellowship with God. Amen. That's how he sees himself uh, with you. Um, he, he, he didn't uh, decide to give you a try. Amen. Uh, when he committed to you, um, he committed everything. Uh, are you following me? Jesus didn't come to share his life with you. 
He came to give his life for you and then give his life to you. Amen. And our dear brother Tom Roberts, he wrote a song, I was humming it the other night, that God has given his best for us. And we, we need to respond by giving our best to him. Praise God. Now, we asked the question last time we were together, what would, what would God have to do for us to be able to live in unbroken fellowship with himself? In other words, what, if we start asking this question, you know, we realize that sin is a problem. And so if we're going to be in fellowship with God in, in such a way as for that fellowship to never be broken again, then God is going to have to come up with a solution, an answer um, to your sin problem, to my sin problem. Because God is not the one who chooses for me and you to sin. We're, we're the ones that make that choice. So in essence, God is saying, I want to have unbroken fellowship with you so that even if you choose to sin, it will not separate you from me as sin has been prone to do throughout the history of humankind. And so for God to have unbroken fellowship with us, he had to figure out a way to prevent our choice to sin from separating us from him while at the same time not compromising his own justice and righteousness. In other words, he can't just sweep it under the rug. He can't just pretend like our sin um, didn't happen because every sin incurs a debt that must be paid and cannot be swept under the rug like it never happened. Now, the only answer then to this dilemma is for God to find a way to pay in advance for your sin and mine before we commit it. Some way for the separation and death that our sin produces to have already occurred so that when we sin, we will not die and be separated from God. Are you seeing this? This was the plan. And it may sound like an extreme plan, and it was. But it was the plan and the only answer to God's desire. Again, I've asked you over and over again, stop trying to understand this from your perspective. Stop trying to understand this based upon what you think you deserve. Stop trying to figure all this out based upon, you know, you just not wanting to go to hell for eternity. And start looking at this from Father's perspective, from Father's desire to have oneness and fellowship with you that cannot be broken, that cannot be severed. And so this is why he paid the price that he paid. This is why Jesus did for you and me what he did for us. He had to be the only one who was more undeserving of punishment for sin than we were all deserving of it. So that he not only balanced the scales of justice, but he now tipped them in your favor and in my favor. When Jesus was made your sin and my sin, all of our sin, one sacrifice for all sin for all time. He paid for all past sin. He paid for all present sin. He paid for all future sin. He went ahead and took the blame and the punishment for it. He went ahead and allowed himself to be judged. He went ahead and endured the sentence of death. He endured separation from his father. He endured death, hell, and the grave for you and for me. And he did that. Jesus died with faith in what his father said through the prophet David, that he will not leave his soul in hell. And he will not allow his holy son to suffer corruption. Corruption begins after, four day, after three days of death. 
So the promise was that he would be raised from the dead after three days. And of course, we know that that was exactly what happened. Now, <clears throat> I skipped over some stuff. Maybe we'll come back to it next week. And I think we have time to get this in tonight. Um, <clears throat> I, I've, I've said this, and I, and, I, and I appreciate folks are, are posting it on uh, Facebook and that sort of thing, and, and, and I appreciate it because we need to get the word out to as many people as will listen, okay? But let me say it again. Jesus came to do more than forgive sin. He came to take it away. There's a big difference there, big difference than being forgiven for your sin and your sin being taken away. We see this in John 1 and 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who forgives the sin of the world. Is that what it says? No, it says takes it away, takes it away. And then we see it again in Romans eleven twenty seven, quoting from Isaiah twenty seven nine. For this is my covenant with them, he says, when I take away their sins. So notice in, in Romans eleven, quoting Isaiah twenty seven. But the point that I want you to see is that when it was spoken first by the prophet in Isaiah twenty seven, it was referring to a day that was yet to come. In Isaiah's day. It was the plan of God that had not yet been fulfilled or put in place. We live on the other side of the cross, right? So now it's not when I take away their sins, right? But it's Jesus is the Lamb of God who came to take away our sins. First John chapter 3, verse 5, it says, And you know that He was manifested, Jesus was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him there is no sin. Now, let's, this is kind of where I wanted us to settle in tonight for a few minutes. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, and I'm going to give you a bunch of verses from Hebrews tonight, okay? Um, and we may go through some of them kind of quickly. But in, let's start in Hebrews 10, then we're going to back up in just a moment. But let's start in the 10th chapter. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, it says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Because we know in the Old Testament sacrificial system, someone who sinned could bring an animal to die in their place, and that blood would cover over sin. But it would not take it away. Okay? Now, if we go deeper into Hebrews 10, let's go to verse 11 now. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, and if you notice capital M, speaking of Jesus becoming a man, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. So there it is again. One sacrifice for sins forever sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. And then this is where we come to this verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, <clears throat> perfected forever. 
Let's take the last of those two words first. Forever here means the same thing that we looked at a couple of weeks back with the word eternal. Forever means without end and without change. Um, something that is perpetual, imperpetuity, if I can say that big word like mayonnaise, right? Something that is perpetual is something that does not end, but it is also something that, 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 that doesn't change. So when he says that, that by the one offering, by one sacrifice of himself, Jesus has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Now, the clue to our being sanctified, we're going to go back to the second chapter of Hebrews to connect that in. And we'll do that in just a minute, but just stay with me, okay? Because a lot of people look at that and say, well, that must not be me. I don't know what that means. No, it is you. If you've been born again, it is you, okay? But when he says that this one offering has perfected forever, he's talking about a perfection in you that is without end and that cannot be changed. Now, I'm not, listen, <clears throat> I've been doing a lot of writing here lately, and one, and one of the things that, that I've been writing about and, and is when the Word of God says to not add to or take away. And, and, and we see that we're, we're given those instructions in, in multiple places, all right? Um, and, and despite that, people add to and take away. And there's been a whole lot of taking away. And, and, it's, and, the re, and the way it's taken away is that it's just not preached. I mean, when's the last time, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but when's the last time, those of you raised in church, that you've heard a good sermon on perfected forever? It's like, it's like who knew that was in the Bible, right? I mean, it's like, was that even in there, right? And yet, this is, this is you know, with the book of Hebrews being such a, a masterpiece on our salvation and in the comparison of the old system to the new and what the old system couldn't do and what the, what the new sacrifice has done, it's, it, it's really a culmination. I mean, he's going to go on in the 13th chapter, he's going to say comparing Mount Sinai and when they were called to that mountain that burned with fire and smoke, he's going to say we've been called to a different calling now. We've been called to an innumerable company of angels. We've been called to the spirits of just men made perfect. Okay? So, whatever, and we're going to deal with perfection here in just a minute, what perfected means, okay? But whatever it is, it's good. Perfect can't be bad. All right? Amen. So, we got to get nailed down what it means to be perfected, okay? But it's good, and it's forever. It's unending. It can't, it can't be stopped and it can't be changed. All right? Now, we're talking about God. If we're talking about something a man did, well, I mean, it could break down tonight or change tomorrow. But we're not talking about something that a, that a human being did. We're talking about something that God became flesh and did in the person of his uh, son, born of a virgin. Amen. That's another one of those things that's been taken away in a lot of places. Well, it's, it's offensive to ask people to believe that a man could be born of a virgin. It's just, come on, Jesus was a good... No, see, again, you're taken away. And, and a lot of people say, well, that, it just don't make sense. Well, it, it, we're talking about a God who, who goes beyond your uh, understanding here. 
And you've got to understand this by faith. Amen. Now, forever means without end and without change. So this leads us to this word perfected. In the original language, this word is the word teleos. And teleos carries with it the idea of completeness. Something that has been perfected is something that has been completed. Some of the phrases that define teleos translated into our English word perfected is that which has come full circle. That which had a beginning point that has come all the way around and has returned back to that beginning point. I sometimes uh, teach this like a NASCAR race. The start line and the finish line are the same line. Where the race starts is ultimately where the race ends. It has come full circle. Amen. So when we're talking about something being perfected, we're talking about it coming back to where it started. And also, and it's not either or, I think it's both and in this definition. Is something that is perfected is something that has reached its intended purpose. That which has has come to the end that was intended before it began. Okay? So something that's come full circle, something that has, has fulfilled or accomplished or reached its intended purpose. So when Jesus perfected you and me forever, this means whatever it is that he did in us, it accomplished, you with me, what God intended for you and me from the very beginning. It means that we have returned back to the place that we originated from. And if you understand where we originated from, we originated from within God himself. We were in him and we came forth from him. And to be perfected forever means that we are now in him once again. Amen. We are back where we belong. We are back where we came from. We are back to what God always intended from the very beginning. And that is for us to come forth from him, but to live as one in fellowship with him. Are you seeing this? Okay. So when we sinned, Adam sinned. And by the way, we were all in Adam when Adam sinned. I'm not saying you didn't sin. I'm not saying I didn't sin. But according to Romans chapter five, it wasn't your sin that made you a sinner. It was Adam's sin that made you a sinner because you were in Adam in seed form when Adam sinned. And when Adam sinned, all the seed that was in Adam sinned, and then every human being born after Adam was born into iniquity. We were sons of disobedience. We were children of wrath. We were, we were born into sin. That's why you must be born again. And that's why if you have been born again, you are no longer in Adam. You are now in Christ. That's why the scriptures teach Jesus as the last Adam. We were in the first Adam when the first Adam sinned. When the first Adam sinned, we all sinned with him. We were born separated from God. We were born separated from our intended purpose. Jesus came to restore us back into oneness and fellowship with the Father. And by doing that, he made a way for us to be born a second time for us to now be born in into Christ. We have now put on Christ. We are in Christ Jesus. And because we are in Christ Jesus and Jesus is in the father, we now are in the father where we were always intended to be. Amen. That's perfection. That's perfection. Doesn't see we hear perfection and we think somebody that never makes a mistake. Well, 
I'm not backing down from that. Please hear me. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. Your spirit has been saved. Your soul is being saved. Your body will be saved. You're a three-dimensional being living in a, in a physical world. Amen. We're, we're, experience, we're a spirit being experiencing a physical world. Amen. And I could go on and on. We've taught a lot about that. We'll continue to do so as, as time develops. Amen. But when it comes to your spirit, your spirit is perfect. Your spirit is without error. Your spirit is without flaw because it was born of an incorruptible seed. Now, it wasn't just born of a perfect seed. It was a perfect seed, but it was a perfect seed that could not be corrupted. If something cannot be corrupted, that means nothing can mess it up. Amen. Now watch this, because a lot of times I thought, well, Lord, and we could go down this road for a while, but I just want to touch it and move, move on, okay? When we were all in Adam, <laughs> biggest understatement of the night, okay? When we were all in Adam, we were extremely vulnerable because Adam had the capacity while we were in him to separate us from God, and he did that. Are you with me? But I ain't in Adam no more. I'm in Jesus. And what was a vulnerability when I was in Adam has now become security that I'm in Jesus. See, the only way I can be separated from the Father now is if Jesus is separated from him again. And that's never happening. That's never happening. I'm in Jesus and Jesus is one with the Father. My oneness with the Father is based upon me being born into Christ Jesus and becoming a partaker of his divine nature. I am in Christ Jesus. My righteousness is not based upon my performance. My righteousness is based upon what Jesus did for me as a man. He lived a sinless life as a man and gave me credit now for living a sinless life as a man. And any mistake that I made, Jesus has already take the, taken the blame and the punishment for. Any sin that I could commit tonight that would separate me from the Father, Jesus has already paid for it and allowed that sin to separate him from the Father. That's why my sin can't separate me from the Father. I'm getting bold. I want to preach about homosexuality bold. Let's preach about redemption bold. Let's be bold about it. Perfected forever by the blood of Jesus. Unbroken fellowship. Praise the name of the living God. I was born from a seed that can't die. That's why I have eternal life. I've been perfected forever. What does that mean? That means I'm in oneness and fellowship with my father forever. Unbroken. Unbroken. I'm back where I belong. I'm back where he always intended for me to be. Jesus did that for me. Jesus did that for me. All right, now. We were born, we were created in Adam. We were born again and recreated in Christ. In Adam, we were vulnerable to separation. In Christ, we are secure in our union and oneness. Now, let's go to Hebrews 2, verses 10 and 11. So, do you remember what 10 and 14 says? Let's go back to 10 and 14 right quick. Here it is, verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Okay? Now, Hebrews 2. So, we're going all the way back to the front of the book now. Chapter 2 in the book. 
of Hebrews. Verse 10, For it was fitting for him, speaking of Jesus, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. And boy, did he suffer for you and for me. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified. thats We're the ones who are a work in progress. We are the ones who are through the renewing of our mind are being transformed that are growing up into Jesus in all things, that are, have been made free men and are learning how to live like free men and women, who've been made righteous and are, are learning how to, yoked up together with Jesus, learning how to, to live righteously, who have been given victory over death, hell, and the grave, who've been given victory over every devil in hell, who've been given victory over sickness, over disease, over viruses. We've been given victory over these things, and it's ours now, and we're learning how to live in victory over these things. Set free from sin. Divorced it, died to it. No, we, we, we didn't divorce it. We, we died to sin. The man that I used to be that was married to sin and one was sin and bore fruit with sin, that man's dead. Free from it, separated me from it. Amen. Now I'm learning how to live like a man who's free from sin. And Jesus knows that. And he, he is the one who set me apart from it. And he's the one who's teaching me how to live. Apart from it. He who sanctifies, that's Jesus. He sets apart. And those who are being sanctified, that's every born again man or woman, are all of one. That one thing right there, that one phrase right there, if, if it was all it was there, but there's a lot more. But notice, notice now what he's saying. Who, who's perfect? Jesus is perfect. How did he become a perfect man? He was the eternal, uncreated Son of God in all His beauty and glory and perfection. But He chose to come to this earth as a man, empty Himself of everything that made Him God, and came to this earth as a man. And He suffered without sin. Tempted, suffered temptation without sin. All this way. See, it wasn't enough for Jesus to defeat the devil as the eternal Son of God sitting on the throne of heaven. He could have done it, already did it. Never was, death never was a threat to Jesus. The only reason death ever threatened God is because it threatened you and me. The only reason death was ever an enemy, it wasn't like God said, oh man, Jesus, hope you don't die too. No, Jesus, Jesus ain't no, death's no threat to him or the Holy Spirit. But it became an enemy of God because it became an enemy to you and me. Are you seeing this? It's not even fair to call, it's, it's not even right to call the devil an enemy of God. I mean, he is opposed to God. I understand all that. But I mean, that's like saying the, the girls powder puff team is a threat to the Georgia Bulldogs on the football field or something. I mean, it's, it ain't even, that, and that's closer. That, that would be closer. I mean, he casts out demons with his finger. I mean, it's not even, it's not, but, but why does God take them serious as an enemy? Because of the threat that they could potentially be to you and me. That's why. That's why he sees him that way. He who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one. One, oneness, positional oneness, functional oneness, all of one. And for which reason? Because we're all of one, even though we're still a work in progress, perfected work in progress. He's not ashamed to call them brethren. He's not ashamed. 
Now this word captain, it means originator, founder, and leader of our salvation. Salvation originated with him. He founded it. He established it. He is the leader of it. And as the captain of our salvation, the salvation that he has provided is unique and distinguished from any other previous method or approach. That's why Acts 4 and 12 boldly says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. But let's go back to this one. He's not ashamed to call you and me brethren. Remember, brethren is a fellowship word. Adelphos is the word in the original language. It means, I'll just put it here. I'll put this. Sometimes I don't show these things on the screen, but it's fine. I know some of you are taking notes. Adelphos means the following. It means from the same womb. Adelphos means a fellowship of life based upon identity of origin. Same seed. Adelphos means of the same nature. Seed determines nature. A fellowship of love equivalent to or bringing with it a community of life. Adelphos, members of the same community. He's not ashamed to say that you and he were born from the same womb. He's not ashamed to say that you and, and, and he are a, a fellowship of life based upon identity of origin. Full circle, right? Came from the same place. Come on now. Of the same nature. By these exceeding great and precious promises, you've become partaker of the divine nature. Second Peter chapter 1. Fellowship of love equivalent to a bringing with it a community of life. God is an eternal community that exists in absolute communion that created you and me in their image and likeness so that we might join into their community and be one with them. Now, we're at a crossroads. Can you hang here for just a few more minutes? Are you guys going to be okay for a few more minutes? Okay. I'm going to just run through these and then we may come back and spend some time. But I want you to see just real quick. I'm just going to zip, 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 okay? Now we're going to Hebrews 5 now. And speaking of Jesus, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Okay? Chapter 7, verse 11, Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should, should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? So notice now, I've tried to highlight some of these key phrases and words here. Notice Jesus has been perfected, past tense, and because he's been perfected, he's the author of eternal salvation. Now we see if perfection were, th- were through the Levitical priesthood, there'd be no need for another priest. But, of course, we know that it wasn't. Chapter 7, verse 19 continues the same theme. For the law made nothing perfect. And we've already established what perfection is, right? You and I back to where we belong, reestablished in oneness and fellowship with God the Father, also known as reconciliation full circle back to where we were always intended to be. But the law couldn't do that. You see this. The law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Now let's go to chapter 7, verse 28. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the Son who has been perfected for 
forever. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 9, it was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. If we start talking about the conscience now, we start getting into the functional oneness, right? The sin takes care of the positional oneness, but if we maintain a consciousness of sin, it interferes with our ability to function as one with God the Father. But again, Jesus did something better for us. Now, we're back to chapter 10, verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of those things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach, and there's the word again, perfect. So what is he doing? He's showing us how that old system could not produce perfection, which again, the perfection is our being in oneness and fellowship with God restored to that place. And then, of course, our verse 14, for by one offering has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Maybe I shouldn't have rushed that and just saved it for later, but I'm, I'm wanting... Do you see? Do you see what's going on here? He's talking about all these things who couldn't make anything perfect for 10 minutes. The blood of a bull or a goat couldn't make a thing perfect for 38 seconds. Couldn't do it. The law couldn't do it. The, the, the Levitical priesthood couldn't do it. I'm not saying those weren't good men and, 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 and noble men and, and well-meaning men. But that system could not produce what God desired. Jesus came and not only by one offering of himself brought the perfection, it brought it forever. Forever. I said Hebrews 13, it's Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 24. But you have not come to Mount Zion. I'm sorry, but you have come. He talks... In the verses above this, we, what we have not come to, and that was the Old Testament mountain, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Amen. Amen. Perfected forever. I have been perfected forever by the blood of Jesus. And because I have been perfected forever by the blood of Jesus, my fellowship with God cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. And I enjoy this tonight because it's what my Father desired. And I enjoy this tonight because my big brother Jesus and the captain of my salvation love my father enough to pay the ultimate price to give me to him as a gift and put me back where he always intended for me to be. And that is in oneness and fellowship with himself, just like Jesus. Praise the name of the living God. Father, we say thank you. And we say thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us embrace these things. Father, listen, I'm, maybe we've got to hear this some more times. But, Father, I thank you that these words, we're receiving them with meekness. And, and Lord, you give the agricultural uh, uh, example of it becoming engrafted. 
Father, I thank you that we're receiving this word and it's putting down such roots in our hearts and in our lives that it's altering our personality. Father, that we wake up in the morning realizing that we exist in unbroken fellowship with you, that you promised to never leave us nor forsake us, that Jesus, you said when your Holy Spirit came to live in us, he would be in us forever. That you have, Jesus, by one offering of yourself, perfected us forever. Those of us who are being sanctified. And you started this whole journey out in the book of Hebrews by making it very plain that you are the one who sanctifies us and we are the ones who are being sanctified. And although you're perfect in every way and we're still a work in progress, that you consider us one because we are one. And therefore, you're not ashamed to say that we're of the same nature and from the same womb and born from the same seed and have the same standing, Father. Uh, in, in your eyes because of the righteousness that we've been made. Lord, it just keeps getting better and better. And I thank you for giving us eyes to see it, ears to hear it, hearts to understand it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Hopefully I'll see you Sunday, but if I don't, happy, happy new year to you and yours. It's going to be a great year. Uh, we're looking forward to it. No matter what goes on in the world around us, remember now, uh, we're in the kingdom, praise God, and the kingdom never has a bad year. Amen. Amen. All right. Know that you're loved. Good things coming.